As you know, the On Farm podcast is brought to you by the team at Seen and Heard PR and Marketing. And I just wanted to remind you about a new initiative that's happening here called On Record. On Record is a project to preserve voices, stories and memories for the future with your very own audio recording. So we're recording memories of rural life. We're travelling around Scotland, working with families and organisations to capture precious voices of family members or staff members or long-serving office bearers to preserve those for posterity and sometimes for historical value. So if you think this project is something that you'd like to be involved in and maybe you have a grandparent or a parent that you'd like to capture on audio while you can, please do get in touch. You can find out more at onrecordmemories.co.uk. Yeah, so I'm Monty, part of the On Farm podcast team. Today, we're going to be visiting a farming neighbour of mine who's also pretty much a rugby legend, Doddy Weir. It feels strange because Doddy, you know, he's a neighbour, he's a mate, and A, I want to get this right from his point of view and from, from the podcast point of view, but B, it does feel awkward. So, you know, this is a chat with him, hopefully, but it could be different from just sitting down as we maybe normally would for a for a coffee. I think actually in some ways that's what's made it a bit more poignant and, and, and sad about Doddy's um, condition because yeah, he would be up where we're going, up at, on the farm he would be there on a two-wheel motorbike uh, trials motocross bike and he'd be zooming around with virtually no regard and going to check his sheep and just, you know, that's how he was. And now, yeah, now it's quite sad because he, he's, he's not as able at all. And, um, yeah, that's quite, quite difficult. We want to talk about farming, we want to talk about the rural borders, and, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how we get on with that because Doddy... He likes to, to get the, the bit between his teeth and, and tell you a story. So, yep, we've just arrived at um, Doddy's place. We'll give the kitchen window a rattle and see who's around. Morning. Doddy. Good fine day. Do you want to have coffee, Monty? Would a cup of tea be on offer, Rosie, please? Hi, Hello. Hello. Hi, Kathy. We're all right, you? Yes. Yeah, good. Feeling slightly, slightly awkwardly apprehensive about this because your husband's a pro at this and I'm just learning, but we'll get there. I'm quite sure he'll tell you what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know him, Monty. Yes, uh huh. Don't be afraid. No, no, be no, very no, afraid. no, no, no. <laughs> so the, the the podcast it's a it's a series and it's called On Farm, On Farm being on food, agriculture, and rural matters. So we're hoping today to chat to you about uh, farming and, and life in the rural borders but I can see you're still buzzing from the other night and the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Awards. You know, how are you feeling about that? Uh, that was quite an emotional time but it's, it's just the journey we're on at the moment, Monty. The friends, family that we've been with uh, made a very special evening. Princess Anne being there was pretty impressive so again I need to dedicate it to people like yourself because uh, remember, it was it two years ago maybe when you started your tractor rally, 
And the awareness and the, the amount of people came out that day was just outstanding. So with people like yourself and many others, I had to dedicate the, the award, because it wasn't for like people like you and many others, I certainly wouldn't be standing up on that stage. Uh, Doddy, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I really think that I wasn't going to even touch on, on the tractor rally. I didn't want to, I didn't really want to bring my, myself into that. But the only thing I would say about that is I think we were all shocked, majorly shocked with your diagnosis. And, you know, and I mean, by I mean all, I think this part of the world in the in the rural borders, we were all shocked. And I just had an idea that we could... Um, get a few people together and I think that the depth of the support just just blew me away and and that was that was for you that's because you have done you know we're here to chat about what you've done you know about the farming side of things and what have you but it it really is true that long before this um M and D unfortunately came along you did so much for organizations in this part of the world for charities you know, you were never shy of giving up your time to, to help out or to speak or whatever or, you know, switch on Christmas lights and that sort of thing. For example, the tractor run was just a, a, a one way of, of, of paying that back. And, you know, hopefully it, it goes away to do that. But we're all there for you. No money. Thank you very much for you. never mentioned that. But we, we go back to the diagnosis I was very similar to yourself and a lot of other people who are listening to this podcast. You're looking and, and saving up for the future so we come to your retirement. And I was one of them. Got my, my small holding here at the sewage company as well. Looking forward to the day that it all finishes when you're 60, 65. Then one day you kind of wake up with a bit of muscle loss in your left hand and your skin twitching. And a year down the line, you could say once you get tests, you've got MND. So that wasn't the best of days, but there was no reason why I got it, no reason why I'm here. But what is a solace is, the, as you mentioned, the farming world and the, and the small holding we've got here. It's a good getaway clause. I've enjoyed the country life from day one, lived on a farm from, from day one. And ironically, all the lovely awards that I'm receiving this year, the one I'm most impressed with is my HND in agriculture. I had to work for four years to get that. <laughs> That's from, from SRUC. Yeah. 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 They weren't called them at the time, but yeah, SEC at the time, yeah, Edinburgh. Yeah. Learning how to cook on your own because you're away from your mummy. And learn how to wash, learn how to drink properly, and learn how to party. That's what we did. And the better you did at that, the, the better reward you got. So I didn't quite get distinction in that, just below. Do you see yourself as a farm laddie who got lucky at rugby or are you you know a, a rugby player that happens to be from a farming background well telling when you have a look at life back even the way that I'm with MND I'm very lucky everything uh, even with this MND lack as well and a lot of the people maybe look back in their lives and I talk about this quite a bit that you go back I was lucky the way I grew up mum and dad put a lot into their education didn't do that that well I'm not that clever and their farming background as well. They're farmers just up the valley on the A7 Valley. They've got about a thousand acres still there. Unfortunately, mum, we lost in June. But dad's still farming sheep, beef and arable. Um, so it gave me the background to do. And wonderful enough, it's strange enough, I was involved in the horses. 
So having a bit of land made the horse world easier. So again, I was very lucky there. Mum did quite a lot for us in the horses. Dad supported us. You've talked about this before. Your first thing was, was pony club and, and show jumping and what have you, much more so than rugby. But I would say, it, I'm not much of a sportsman, but I would say it is once you've got the discipline, don't laugh. <laughs> can see, can see that sporting's not a big part of your life, big fella. But you know, once you've got the the, the kind of discipline, which you did, because you did quite well with the, the, the horses, equestrianism, you know, once you've got the discipline, was that easier to transfer that into into the rugby world? I think it was, and you're right, we've talked about it before, and do a lot about team building. I think you're correct, with the horses gave you a core, gave you an inner stability, but then when you're up at heights, going over jumps, you have an idea about timings. When you're in the jump off, you like to try and cheat as much as possible. And that brought through a game with your dressage test. You had to learn that like line-out code. So it did involve also being competitive. And that's what the world's about, being competitive. But also, if you don't win, be, be very sporting at the same time. And that brought through not just sport, but the world we're in. So we got into into that frame, went to four years at King's Buildings, came out and played for Melrose Rugby, and again, that was luck. A gentleman called Sandy Fairbairn, who was in the horses, said, come and play for Melrose, where my dad played for Gala, and just by luck, because I couldn't do Gala, because the horses was in the same day. I went, going to Melrose Rugby team, by luck, I was looking for a job, because the old boy said there's no... No job at home because he knew that I would probably never be there. So Carlos McTetley Brewing came on board and offered me a job, so I went to sell beer. How, how, how lucky is that? You are talking about luck here, but you're, you're getting to play rugby and then someone offers you a job working for a brewery. Doesn't get any better than well. that. No, because <laughs> the pubs are really only opening these days from 11 till 3. So every day that's all I had to work and go and speak to a lot of people, play some pool, some darts. And then from there, Rob Andrew came on board to become a professional rugby player. And uh, again, possibly by luck, we were fortunate in the national team at the time. And then we left rugby, no boy didn't want me back. So the father-in-law got me in the sewage industry and then buying this place, again, was a bit lucky because we had to, I think, borrow maybe 13 times your wages at the time, which today wouldn't be allowed. Yeah. So you look back and then this MND lag that I've got, I'm very lucky in a way because other people who've had MND are dead within three months. Yeah. So I'm three years still smiling, speaking to I, you. Uh, I think that's that's been a major inspiration for, for anyone with any, you know, it's not just MND, is it? Anyone who's suffering from a, a kind of condition, illness, terminal or otherwise, to, to see you still doing the do, still getting on with life and actually taking it on head on. Is, is going to be an inspiration. Oh, it's very kind of you, but I think when you have a look to see what the M&D is about, there's no drugs, there's nothing on the table. And I think you go back to sports and maybe the education within the rugby, it's this positive mind, don't give up. Yeah, yeah. So an example, just my shoes there, I can't tie my shoelaces at the moment, so I've got rubber laces that I can still get my shoes on and off myself. People don't have There's to put your shoes. There, there is a way around it, yeah. and you've got to adapt. The same yeah. with drinking. Yeah. Can't drink with one hand on a pint glass, where I can drink with two hands and a wee handle. Yeah. So don't. I always say, if there's a problem, don't give me the problem. Give me the solution. Yeah. I mean, if, again, just just staying serious and probably looking a wee bit about the, the farming world at the moment. 
there is an issue at the moment, isn't there? Um, and we hear about it all the time with mental health in farming. If someone listening to this podcast could think, actually, there's a guy dealing with a lot of SH1T and just listening to that, how positive you are about just, you know, it's it's, it's mindset. I d- definitely think that, but farming is a very tricky industry. With this issue I've got, I've got the most amazing team behind, so I have a, the most amazing support. Mm-hmm. But you can see Mr. Farmer on his own, trudging away in the... In the, in the Farming is such a nightmare. You don't know what you're going to get for your barley. You don't know what you're going to get for your cattle. You've put a lot of hard work in. The commodity, the prices of the cake that you feed them now is quite expensive. And everyone wants to look after the animals as well as you can. And you know at the farming at the moment, when you get in that deep hole, it's very difficult to get out because you just don't know what you're going to get for your animals. You can understand these boys in a bit of trouble, but all that my advice would be say is don't be shy to ring up for help. And that's the best thing I did with MND was to come out and tell friends, look, I've got this terminal issue, I might need your help, and there's nothing to be shy or or sorry for asking for help because it's I being as big boys, I've been shed many a tear over this journey and do it because the way I am and the emotional and the friends, so... People who are in trouble that you mentioned, please, please just pick up the phone and ask for help. And that's what it's here for. You knew about this and you were diagnosed about this Christmas time, January, three years ago. Is that roughly? That's what then, yeah. I, a short while later, I, I, I can't get the dates right, but... Oh, well, I know, but you stood up at a dinner and you, you compared and you were master of ceremonies, whatever you want to call it, you were, you were doddy anyway, at a dinner for RSABI, the, the rural charity. In my head, that was about 10 days after your diagnosis. That must have taken a bit of strength. It did, but there was a harder one just before that. At the same time as I got diagnosed, mum got diagnosed with cancer and weren't very sure that she would reach that Christmas. Yeah. So that's why we kept it quiet yeah. till the January. But just maybe a couple of months before, it was a bit harder that we spoke at my niece's 21st. She'd lost her dad, Michael Dunn, who's a big farming boy. Mm-hmm. And that was quite a tricky time because at the time when you got MND, you just don't know how long I'm going to live for. It could have yeah. been three months and I could have said goodbye to my niece, nephew, cousins, my own family. But we're still here. Still three- here. But I tell you, the, the farming has got a lot to do with why I'm still here because I mentioned before, keeping active is very important so it doesn't allow your mind to think about your issue and being on the farm, the fresh air, getting out and about, it's just been amazing for me. Is it a pain in the posterior, folk like me coming and asking about your issue though? Only you. <laughs> Everyone else is. No, not at all because um, Monty, this, this MND has, has a no so no time spent, there's no new drug, drug for the last 28 years on the table. No, to me that's ridiculous. So when somebody gets MND, they've got no chance because there's no option. So when you've got the dreaded cancer, which is horrific in itself, there's a very good chance that you're going to survive nowadays. With MND, there's no chance because there is no drug. So we need to change that. Some more people, kind of like yourself and what you've done with your tractor, Larry, people still talk about it. Over 200 tractors chung through the borders. We need to do a lot more of that, and that's why the sports personality, again, at the weekend, 
was great for awareness and through that programme we had a lot of people very kindly donating because it does make a difference because we spent, I think, nearly £5 million in just over two years and that again wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for yourself and lots of other supporters. So thanks, um, it's beginning to make a difference but we need to keep going till we win the game, boss. Yeah. How, how do you feel about the progress? You know, you've raised money, you've... you've taking advice about, you know, how it should be invested and spent into research and, and what have you? Progress is going very well because we're challenging the professors because I've got nothing to lose and we brought them all together, which is great. So it's about 10 or 12 professors meet every six months and it's lovely to see them talking because before they didn't communicate with each other. So that's making a big difference and there's a couple of trials that are going to start in 2020 which is the first sort of major trials in the UK ever. So that's going to make a big difference to a lot of patients as well because that gives them a bit of hope. But we need to continue until there's a real one that makes a big difference. The, the, the eye-opener for me was when you told me this, that basically it's a commercial industry, isn't it? The, the drugs and the research industry. You said, you know, because there aren't enough if I want to use the word sufferers of MND, there aren't enough of them. A lot of the drugs companies are not interested in, in, in taking their piece of research work further because actually the payback is not going to be there in terms of drug sales. There's not enough of you. And what you've done is, is turn that around because you, you want to make the money to, to make these people sit up and take notice. Well, we do awareness, first of all, and it's such yeah. a horrific issue. Your whole body shuts down, the muscles disappear. So eventually all you can communicate with your eyes is the end term. Everything has to be done by someone else. So totally horrific. So with that, we need a bit done. But yeah, again, go back to what I said. We've got a problem. What's the solution? Solution is trying to get a drug on the table. And yes, there's only 500 people uh, in Scotland that has this issue. So it's not commercially viable for big drug companies. But what it might, I mean, if we get a cure here, might lead into the solutions of other neurological issues. It's a lovely big word for this time in the morning. And that might make it a gain for a lot of the companies. But no, the fight's there, Monty, and again, I think it comes from the way you've been brought up with the, with the sport and the horses and the rugby that don't give in. If somebody gets your position in the rugby team, you've got two options. One, giving in or fight to get it back again. And this is certainly a, a fight to try and make a difference and will continue till we win the game. So, yeah, basically, so we're here and we're having a bit of a chat, um, but in about half an hour's time-ish, you've got the, the Lauderdale hunt coming and um, they're going to be, I don't know, on a day like this, maybe 25 horses and, and the hounds, obviously. I think there's quite a lot of fruit following now as well, yeah. which is good, and I'm not looking forward to, to working them here. It happens to me once, twice a year. Open arms, good ladies involved in the horsing and obviously the hunt as well. And delighted to know a lot of friends from the hunt. So I hope they have a very good day. Do you, do you miss do you miss getting on a horse yourself, Daddy? I do uh, a little bit now. I was in the horse in Lauderdale coming around last year, and again it was another mental thing for myself just to say I can and I will. But this time, when maybe the balance is not quite as good, so. It would be a bit silly to do that because if I happen to fall off, it could be quite tender. Even just, I've got to remember I've got an issue. That's the biggest thing nowadays. So when I fall over, I can't put my hands out. I've just got, it's like falling over your hands in your pocket. 
gets quite sore, you'll be okay because you're a bit closer to the ground, so you won't hit it at the speed that I hit it. It's a, it's a big thing in this area. Um, we were, we're talking about the hunting, but the, the common riding is certainly a big thing in this area. And it was great to see to see Doddy taking part. But again, the reason behind it was, again, for self-esteem, my auntie, it was her 50th year when she was Connor's last. So I was there to support her and uh, gave me an excuse to try and get on the horse and go. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. But again, it's a country life, going back on to doing something they do, getting away, keeping your mind fresh and going back to what the interview is about, the farming. Farming has just been amazing, thoroughly enjoyed it, the sheep and beef that we've got here. Although, unfortunately, we've had to get rid of our cows because I can't calve and catch the calves and cows anymore. Um, and my good lady's a bit scared of the cows and the kids are away doing other things. And you don't want to come reliant on other people. But we've got some store cattle in now, so I, I do like to have a bit of cattle around the place, so store calves back in to see how they go. We were talking about that on the way up here, Doddy. It was, um, we used to see you racing around here on a two-wheel motorbike, and that was you checking your stock and what have you, and it is hard that you're not able to do that now. Well, you say that, though, Monty. You see, this is where I think it's, it's all wrong, because it's adapting to the issue, so... I, Maybe don't go on the on number two wheel motorbike. We've got a four wheel motorbike yeah. that we have a shot on. And don't get it. But again, that was getting a bit hard. I got stuck in the bank another day because my thumb's quite weak to try and pull it. So we've got a four wheel drive machine now just to allow me to go out and go around the stock. This is uh, this is an on farm uh, podcast that you're listening to. We're trying to tell um, the rural story and, and Doddy. John Deere's must be the best. Doddy's very much a rural character. He, he, well, John Deere was it not? Was it not the, the story that you told that your your father had was it Fiat's in the old days and you refused to drive them and that's how you ended up going into the sewage business? I was thinking that would be probably right, but Fiat's wasn't a bad tractor. The old International four nine four, I think it was, right. as well. But I'm a John Deere man. Nothing runs like a deer, and some people say there's nothing as dear as a John Deere. Yeah, but you've got your you've got your old uh, you've got your old Fords in as well, haven't you? Got Dexter, yes. Okay. And uh, I think the the best toy I bought, which is quite strange, I've got about a hundred horse tractor. I've got a big GCB forklift, and now I've only got about a hundred horse sheep. <laughs> again, I wanted again how farming's quite exciting. It's always trying to move forward, try to stay ahead of the rest. And that's why I quite like about farming to keep thinking how we do that, whether it's to tidy your farm up. Because you know yourself, it's here on a dike thing. If you let a hole in the dike fester, one year it'll be one yard, the next year it'll be five yards. So trying to tidy that up, but also with the breeding of your sheep, trying to always improve to try and see how you can improve. Have a look to see what sheep. I enjoy going to the market on the Mondays just to see the trade and the buyers to see what uh, lambs are making good money, and then you try and bring that home as well, do a bit of research. Can we have a wee bit of a quick chat about shows and events and how you see them in terms of, you know, either socially or or, or business improvement? I mean, how, how do you see the traditional sort of agricultural shows in this area? Very good question. I think they're vital. You've got the Highland Show, which is the pinnacle, the Border Union show, I was in the committee, it's an amazing, it's an amazing two-day show. You have a look what the show involves, it's just amazing. There's something for everyone, 
You've got the showing of the pedigree sheep and cattle, uh, or non-pedigree, but that's very important for people moving forward to get better prices for the cattle. Winning that standard of show, which is very high standard. You've got the horse class, which is many classes. You've got the machinery for people who want to go and see it. You've got the shows and all the hop-ons for the kids. There's the education in the countryside area. You've got the, the home production, so your sausages, your beer and everything. It's just a wonderful show, and these shows are vital for, I think, the future of farming in a way to educate and allow people to enjoy what the countryside has got and long way to continue. So, Doddy, we were having a chat about, you know, what you've done for long before the MND thing. You know, you, you've you spoken at dinners and you've done a lot for various rural organisations and charities and, and what have you. What more can we do as, as the rural borders, as a farming community, as, as people listening to this, what more can we do to help? Farming community at Monte, like you mentioned to yourself, been so supportive to date. A lot of people have been donating sheep, tops, or selling off cows, semen even, and it's just been so unbelievable. If anyone has listened to the lovely podcast here, if they feel they would like to, to follow us in some way or shape of support, We've got a website, myname5.doddy.co.uk. Go on the website. There's lots of different functions that are available, dinners, dances, auctions, and even donations, as we'd like to do. Because I mentioned before, it is making a difference. We have to keep continuing the approach and challenging these professors. And I'm just thinking of some of the things that you mentioned there about how the rural community, if you like, have, have supported them. One of the, one of the ones that got me was two young boys from the Isle of Iona who had raised their pet lambs. A, a pet lamb, just for the listener who won't know, would be an orphan lamb that was, you know, hadn't, hadn't a mother, was raised on a bottle of milk, as it were. And lo and behold, these two boys had these uh, lovely prime lambs ready for the butchers and they sold them. And rather than it being their pocket money, the, the money went towards, uh, well, went to the My Name's Doddy Foundation. And I just think, you know, little stories like that was, was really a sort of illustration of how everyone's trying their best and you've been an inspiration and got people to, to do that for the, for the MND cause. That's very kind of these boys, yeah, was, was one of many and it does bring a tear to your eye, especially when kids are involved. And it's just thanks to them of where we are and they're probably dedicated. That's why we're still living after, after three years because they're amazing support. Gives me a reason to get up in the morning, Monte. Yeah. And a uh, long way to continue. But yeah, if anyone is delighted to support us, because we've also got a podcast coming out, but we've called it a Dodcast. And it's really to try and communicate with the M&D public, because some people maybe can't get out of their house. So we're trying to bring the M&D to their house to allow them to hear and see what research is going on behind. Because there is a bit of hope at the moment. We have to continue that. And people maybe don't see it how I see it. Because again, my team keeps me in front of everything and we speak to the professors on a weekly basis and there's a lot happening. So we're putting the Dogcast out as a six-programme Dogcast to really speak to the people behind the scenes, how it affects the family, what research is going on there and to keep everyone pretty similar to what you're trying to do as well. Doddy, what's, what's ahead? What's coming up? What's, what's the next milestones in, the, in, in what your um, journey is? 
Well, I'm getting through another Christmas, which is great. So that'll be good. That'll be first Christmas now. We've got through Brown with the family time, another new year. But the main, I think, focus for myself is continue the journey of M&D, but I've got my 50th birthday in July. So that's what we're, we're striving to keep fit and keep alert for. So that'll be a big party. And then a big celebration come then. And then if things are still looking well, the following year, 2021, is the Lions tour to South Africa. So that'll be another another milestone of where we are. But ultimately, it's the goal of trying to keep the pressure on the professors to get uh, a cure to MND is my main focus. Yeah, South Africa, because that was, that was your Lions tour, wasn't it? It was, yeah, a number of years ago in 97. And... The kids and I went to New Zealand three years ago because I didn't think I would get to the Lions four years ago to South Africa. So if we got to both, it would be a major milestone for us. Yeah. So that's the goal at the moment. That was great having a chat with Doddy and we're now outside and the Lauderdale Hunt have arrived. What is there? 20-odd horses, um, quite a lot of foot followers and um, I think they're going to have... Well, the weather's okay, and I think they're going to have a, a decent enough morning of it, or a decent enough day of it. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank Doddy and Kathy for having us today. So thank you very, very much. It's very kind of them. Thank you. Morning. Save me, save me, Billy Boy. God, pleasure. Rosemary, keep the beaches clean. The pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. Gwenny, we'll see you in return. Mikey Boy. Many thanks to Doddy. I hope you found this podcast interesting. Subscribe, please, to our, the rest of our on farm podcasts. That's us for the day. Thank you. Rogan Josh, lovely to see you. We'll be following you in a minute once we finish feeding the sheep. Right. There we go, it's all done. Good man. Thank you very much, Doddy. Pleasure. Pleasure, my pleasure. So I hope you've enjoyed that uh, podcast. Um, It's the first in a series of five or six that we're going to be recording right here in the rural borders. Thanks to the support of Border Union Agricultural Society and their centenary fund. Um, Thank you very much to them for their support. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thank you.